I love all things skin and rejuvenation. I love to help the client figure out what to do at home and also what to do in clinic. I also love to teach the fellow aesthetic doctor, aesthetic nurse, and med spa owner how to do what I do as well. If you are an aesthetic practitioner, clinic owner, head on over to buildingyourbeautybrand.com where I have a free training, register for it, and you can also hop on a call with myself and a colleague and we can help support you in your quest to supporting others achieve and receive powerful rejuvenation outcomes. Again, if you are an aesthetic practitioner or med spa owner, head on over to buildingyourbeautybrand.com and I look forward to guiding you in helping you achieve and receive powerful rejuvenation outcomes for your patients in your clinic. Enjoy today's episode right here on the School of Radiance podcast. Welcome to the Rachel Varga podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Varga, double board certified aesthetic nurse specialist since 2011 with over 20,000 rejuvenation procedures performed. I'm an international clinical trainer for other physicians and nurses as well, celebrity skin expert, having been featured on some of the world's top proactive aging podcasts and much, much more. Learn more at rachelvarga.ca and enjoy today's episode. Welcome everyone to today's episode here on the Rachel Varga podcast. In today's show, we will learn about intermittent fasting with none other than Cynthia Thurlow, one of the world's leading experts on the topic, dear friend. She's been on the show already a few times and it's great to have her back. So we're going to be learning from Cynthia Thurlow how we can utilize intermittent fasting to our benefit for our skin health, energy, and potentially showing slowing aging. And what I really want to encourage in this interview here with Cynthia Thurlow is a healthy way of looking at intermittent fasting, not being too overly restrictive, but making sure that we're listening to our body's needs. And when it needs to fast, okay, sure, go for it. But when maybe it doesn't need to fast to listen, and also how we can learn about fasting in a healthy way, so that those around us, like, for example, our children don't see things as being too restrictive. Uh, Because I have had that pointed out uh, from some of my clients who are nutritionists and things like that. It's like, how can we look at fasting in a really healthy way, and optimize our fasting, and how it can you know, potentially reduce our inflammation and slow our aging as well. Before we get further into the interview here, I warmly invite each and every one of you to hit that subscribe button on the Rachel Varka podcast on the YouTube channel, like this episode, share it with a friend. And if you'd like to know when new episodes are dropped and live here on Facebook and YouTube as well, where I I live stream, make sure you hit the, the bell. I love that Tibetan bowl is beautiful. Let me tell you a little bit about today's guest, Cynthia Thurlow. She is a globally recognized expert in nutrition and intermittent fasting, highly sought after speaker, CEO, and founder of Everyday Wellness Project. She has been a nurse practitioner for 20 plus years, is a two times TEDx speaker. Her second talk on intermittent fasting has been viewed over 7 million times. She has been featured on ABC, Fox 5, KTLA, CW, and in Medium and Entrepreneur. Cynthia was recently listed in Yes! 
Yahoo Finance as one of the 21 founders changing the way we do business. She's also the host of Everyday Wellness Podcast, which was listed as 20 podcasts that will help you grow in 2020 by Entrepreneur Magazine and in Business Insider. 21 podcasts to expand your mind in 2021. As an advocate for living a fulfilled, healthy, and well-balanced lifestyle, Cynthia has committed her career to serving women in their 30s and beyond. She is countering the notion that this is just how we age. Now settle and accept it. I love that. I totally agree with that sentiment. And it is leading the way for change. As a part of that endeavor, Cynthia brings over 20 years of medical experience combined with current and progressive nutritional perspectives and approaches to truly serve women frustrated with the status quo. She provides hope and customized programs that work. She selflessly and transparently shares her own personal experiences, navigating hormonal imbalances, perimenopause, and all of the symptoms that plague so many women. She authentically connects to her clients and tribe. And I've had the pleasure of meeting a number of Cynthia's clients as well. And, you know, my clients work with Cynthia, we have this wonderful, uh, really nice overlap with how we can serve our communities and women, men and women, and just help everybody look and feel our best. Welcome, Cynthia Thurlow. It's great to have you back on the show. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for that warm welcome. It's always a pleasure to connect with you and your viewership. Yes, absolutely. We just had a heart when you came on screen, which is great. So we have uh, one of your one of your clients probably popping in here as well. And I would just love to hear from you your perspective on let's just dive right into it. What is the link and connection between aging and fasting? For example, how can intermittent fasting potentially reduce inflammation in the body, which really, in my opinion, is one of the number one ways that we can slow aging is by reducing inflammation. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think it's a great question. And when, when I think about inflammation, I think so much of it comes from the standard American diet or standard westernized diet, which is highly inflammatory, lots of processed sugars and salt and uh, adulterated fats, you know, not the healthy fats like butter and ghee and avocados, but some of these nasty seed oils. So that is definitely one way that uh, we create inflammation in our lives. A lot of it can be mitigated by lifestyle choices, you know, not getting enough sleep, uh, you know, certainly uh, governed by the lack of stress management that so many people embrace. In fact, Rachel started this podcast off uh, with setting an intention, which I thought was such a beautiful way of honoring this interaction between both of us. But one of the ways that intermittent fasting can help reduce inflammation is just by allowing your body to use or embrace a scientific term called autophagy, this waste and recycling process in the body. So when you're not eating, and certainly if the average American is eating six to 10 times a day, you get a sense for the fact that if your body's not able to take the time to properly digest and break down your food, it can be highly inflammatory. You know, your blood sugar stays elevated. You certainly are putting yourself at risk for metabolic inflexibility. So when we're not eating, our body will be able to take the time to properly break down our food, to get our blood sugar and insulin levels within control, to allow us to have sustained amounts of energy. And we know if you look at the research on fasting, you know, if we look at lab animals as one, ex as one, uh, one example, we know that lab animals that are not eating all day long and not, and, and a portion of their 
food intake is restricted, that they actually live longer. So we have to really think about this is a way for our bodies to run efficiently. There's no way as a species we would have lived as long as we, we are or have had we not experienced periods of feasting and famine. And I, I think this is something that really gets lost in our culture right now that is that really embraces a degree of hedonism. We have access to anything and everything we want, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, I would encourage everyone to really understand, really, we should be eating less often. We should be giving our body a break from food. We should be embracing more periods of non-eating as opposed to eating constantly. But unfortunately, as you and I both know, this goes against conventional allopathic medical models about how meal frequency and, you know, restrict, you know, it's, it's almost this concept of we need to eat more frequently in order to stoke our metabolism. Breakfast is the most important meal of the day. So I would advocate that for people that are eating less often, they're going to have improved metabolic flexibility, better biomarkers, their body's able, actually able to go in and get rid of these diseased and disordered proteins that are scavenged up through autophagy and mitophagy. The only distinction there is that mitophagy is going in and getting rid of diseased and disordered mitochondria, which are the powerhouses of our cells. So without even getting nerdy on the science aspects, I encourage everyone to really experiment a bit and eating less often is a really great way to lessen our likelihood of developing a lot of the chronic diseases that we see that are driven by inflammation and insulin resistance. That's a perfect way to answer that. You know, what really is the link and connection between aging and fasting? And it is autophagy. Um, mm -hmm. Dave Asprey is a mutual friend of ours. It's actually how I met you. I have a copy of his book, Fast This Way. It's actually signed as well. Uh, mm -hmm. For all you fans out there who are secretly a little, a little, uh, envious that maybe you would like to have a signed copy. Maybe I'll do a giveaway. I should start doing some giveaways on the show here. That would be fun. And yeah, and uh, I, I, I would like to really talk about something here. And that is how we cannot be too strict with fasting because unfortunately what happens with fasting, and, and I see this with my clients all the time, who are diehard fasters, they can be a little too rigid. And sometimes when we have this type A personality, we can be too rigid and we don't always have that ability to listen to our bodies. We're just doing something in a way that we're told to do. But as we know, our, our epigenetics is kind of what our, our DNA is what we're kind of stuck with. And our epigenetics are how our DNA is then expressed. So mm -hmm. how can we optimize our fasting and do it in a way that is not going to be too restrictive. Mm -hmm. uh, I know you know what I'm getting at here, but I, yeah. I just want to make sure that when we're looking at fasting, we're not being too strict with things. And we have the ability to, to maybe be a little bit flexible and optimize things. Well, one of the first things I always recommend is that we're not rigid about a fasting program. And especially for women, we are not many men. We have fluctuating levels of hormones throughout our menstrual cycle, even women in perimenopause heading into menopause. We really have to honor what makes us as women really unique. And that is this physiology between the interplay between estrogen and or estradiol, which is our predominant form of estrogen prior to going through menopause and progesterone and testosterone and how our brains are wired to respond to stressors. You know, this is something that a lot of people don't talk about. And, and there's so much fear mongering that goes on about women and fasting. I find it innately frustrating. And what I generally recommend 
is that women lean into how they feel. If your sleep is terrible, if you're super stressed out, if you are underweight, uh, heck, if you're way overweight, it may be that this is an additional stressor. And by that, I mean fasting. You may have to wait a bit of time. That's not to suggest that a period of digestive rest, which is 12 hours without eating, is, is not a positive thing. But I do agree with you that the overachieving population, of which I always like to think of myself as a recovering overachiever, I was the type of person that would have said, if a little bit of fasting is good, then a lot of fasting is better. And so these are the women that come to me. They're fasting 24, 36 hours every other day. I'm like, why are you doing that? Or people that only eat one meal a day. And I say, there's no way you can get the proper amount of macronutrients, protein, fat, and carbohydrates into one meal a day long-term. That is going to end up just wrecking your metabolism. So I agree with you wholeheartedly, bio-individuality rules. It is absolutely critically important that we lean into how our body is, is telling us. And so for women, you can't fast the same way throughout your cycle. If you're a woman that's in perimenopause and you're doing CrossFit and running 10 miles a day and you are trying to lift weights and you never give yourself a day off and your sleep is terrible, you are setting yourself up for a metabolic, you know, just complete metabolic dysfunction. And by that, I mean... When you're 20 and 20 something, 30 something, your body can manage stress a little better than it can when you kind of get north of 40. And it could be the food choices you make. It could be your sleep quality. It could be your stress management. All of those things become so much more critically important. So I really go back to the same thing I say over and over again, bio-individuality rules, honoring where you are in your cycle, really looking at perimenopause and menopause as differentiators. And I dive, you know, more deeply into this intermittent fasting transformation, I 45, but I think it's really important for people to understand that you can fast as a woman, you should fast a little less aggressively. I would say menopausal women and men have much more stable hormones. You know, they're no longer cycling. So they don't have as much fluctuation between estradiol and progesterone and men. So postmenopausal women and men, oftentimes have an easier time with fasting, but that's not to suggest it's not a great option. And Rachel, when you really think about the percentage of the population that's metabolically healthy, which in 2018, there was a study done at UNC Chapel Hill, it was 88.2% of the population was metabolically unhealthy. I know after the past two years events, it's probably closer to 90 or 91%. And so I encourage people to really lean into the concept of eating less often and really thinking about how you feel day to day. I can tell you on days I lift, I absolutely break my fast earlier. I will eat more protein because I've primed my muscles to kind of soak up all this amazing protein that, I, that I've consumed to help kind of repair and, and help build muscle. But there are days where I can fast longer. I feel great. There's no reason to not fast longer, but I also am very attuned to my body and this is another aspect, and, and Rachel, I'm sure you see this with your own your own patients. I feel like we've gotten so disconnected from our bodies that when I encourage someone to intuitively eat or to lean into how they feel, they don't feel comfortable doing that because they've been programmed to be little automatrons or little robots. And I think that that can be incredibly impactful, not necessarily in a positive way. So really encouraging women to lean into their intuition, to lean into what feels good, and not just from a hedonistic perspective, but what food makes your body feel good? What food doesn't make your body feel good? I'll give you an example. During the past two years, I was never much of a drinker, but drinking is about the only thing that would give me hot flashes and make my sleep terrible. So 
giving up wine really wasn't a big deal for me because I think about the net impact. I like my sleep being really deep. I wear an aura ring every day. I love to track my data. I completely nerd out on quantitative information. And so for me, I pull out the things that no longer serve me. And that's really what I encourage women to do, to empower them to remove what no longer serves them. That's lovely. I'd love to add a little commentary, but first we had a wonderful comment here. We have Amber, mindset growth expert joining us here. Welcome, Amber, to the community. It's great to have you joining us. She says, women need to realize that fasting like men can be more detrimental. Our hormones are different. I learned the hard way. You know what, Amber, I did too. I did that, you know, longer 16 hour fasting window. And what happened for me is in the afternoon, I would get super hangry. I would get a little bit irritable, um, more anxious and things like that. And I just wasn't feeling my best. So what I started to do personally was I would stop eating at about 8 or 9 p.m. You don't want to eat right before bed because actually having food sitting in your stomach can mess with one of your sphincters and and getting acid reflux actually inadvertently keeping you up, not to mention wearing away at some of the lining of your gut. So that's been really helpful for me is to actually make sure I do have something at about 10 or 11 a.m., I do have a pretty incredible protein that's also for liver detox and also for hormone balancing, which is great because the liver is absolutely responsible for regulating our hormones and all of that. And that's how one of the ways our body detoxes as well as the skin. That's why looking at your skin, if your skin's showing signs of inflammation, there's some work to do there. So let me know if you'd like that protein. Just send me an email info at rachelvarga.dossier. I'm more than happy to help you out with that. So this, this is great. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to talk about is yes, to set an intention. We have to set an intention with absolutely everything in our lives. That's There's like a whole mindset. I did a master class on the mindset of beauty and radiance. I encourage you all to look at that episode here on the channel. But one of the things I want to talk about first before we employ things like aura ring, biohacking, and all of this and fasting is we have to work on our baseline. Yesterday, I interviewed Matt Gallant and Newts from Newtopia, the makers of bio-optimizers, and they uh, reiterated the same thing, is that we need to make sure our baseline is good before we start to add in all these other things. you got to do the basics before starting to add these more advanced measures. That's just my opinion. This isn't medical advice. This is educational information only. If you think you have a medical condition, you must seek the guidance of a licensed physician. Also, I have two more things to share here. Uh, we do need to get more connected to our bodies. So this morning I was washing my hair, did my hair mask. I did like gua sha over my entire body. If you want to learn how I do that, register for my skin camps at rachelvarga.ca because I do talk more about that there. And also being more specific with our food choice optimization. And one of the ways that I encourage you all to do that is actually through the Viome gut health test. If you go to rachelvarga.ca and go to my favorites page, it's actually linked in the show notes as well. I, I do encourage taking that test to get super focused on which foods you're taking and test instead of guessing. And I know that Cynthia, you do a lot of testing with your clients as well. So what are the, some of the tests that you go through with your clients to help optimize their fasting as well? 
Well, I want to just echo the point you mentioned about these kind of foundational approaches to health. And I feel like sleep is the most foundational approach. And so um, I applaud you for really encouraging women to lean into that so that they can ensure that they have the proper foundation before they start adding in hormetic stressors, potentially good stressors that can make us stronger as humans. Um, The tests that I generally work the most with, I work with the Dutch which is a dry urine and potentially saliva test, really looks at how we break down and metabolize key sex hormones, cortisol, melatonin, estradiol. There's three forms of estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, et cetera, and the metabolites. I find that highly helpful. And in conjunction with with serum or blood testing, I also like to work with the GI map, which is a DNA-based stool test. I, I, I think between those two, they're probably some of the most invaluable testing that I've been able to work with over 20 plus years. Um, In fact, they're they're tests that I offer in a a very small niche program that I run with another advanced practice nurse because I do feel they're so valuable, you know, really digging deep. As a good example, um, I was in Africa in September and something was off with my digestion. And so I did a GI map. I ultimately ended up having to do another more intensive test to find out that I have a very special kind of parasite, which I just started a parasite protocol, but grateful that I have connections, um, you know, within our community that I could reach out to someone who deals with people that pick up unusual types of um, bugs when they travel. And so as soon as she heard my story, she's like, I think I know exactly what you have. The point that Rachel and I were making is that it's really important to understand the physiology of your digestive system to understand what's going on with your gut microbiome, to make sure you don't have things that don't belong there, like I'm dealing with, as well as, you know, just getting a sense for, you know, what's your detoxification like? There's a, there's one uh, particular marker on the GI map that looks at beta glucuronidase. And so I can use both those tests to get a sense for how well your liver, there's phase one and phase two liver detoxification that go on the liver. And then the third phase three actually occurs in the colon and it gives me a sense for how well do you get excrete your estrogen as an example, do you, or do you package it up and recirculate it? And so that is very, very common to see with women getting passive exposure to estrogen from their food, their environment, the personal care products. That's why I love that you work with, you know, really clean um, brands where you, you, know, you do all the work for your clients. So I think on many levels, you know, for me testing, I do blood testing as long as the, as well as those two tests. There's others that I offer. I just don't offer them as frequently, but I do see the value in these kind of integrative medicine focused testing that goes beyond kind of the conventional testing that you and I were trained with. I actually would love to add something there. I just sent you a quick note. I, um, I'm actually on an antiparasitic all the time. <laughs> Some of you tuning in may know what that might be. But I would just like to uh, give a shout out to what we can do when we're not feeling our best. Because I've had so many people reach out to me and say they picked up a bug and then they just started fasting. And I'm like, "Ah, I kind of like I wonder about that. I wonder if we really should be more fueling our body with the cofactors, supplements and nutrients that it needs. Uh, If you guys would like some tips on potentially how we can optimize our our 
eye health. I do have to be kind of careful sometimes with some of the words that I drop. The FLCCC, if you look that up on your, hopefully you're using DuckDuckGo, that will actually give you some great protocols to help support yourself all the time. But what is your take on fasting if you're sick? It's a great question. And I can say from my end of one uh, last month, uh, when I got sick, one of my kids just had an upper respiratory infection. And of course, our children pass these things along to us. Generally speaking, we generally get whatever bug they have, we get it a little bit worse. And so I had two days where I just didn't eat. I just hydrated, drank tea, rested, and I was able to kind of kick that virus, if you will. So I think you really have to lean into what your body is telling you much like animals if they're out in the wild and they're they're sick they will actually fast so we think about the upregulation of things that occur when we're fasting we get this autophagy mitophagy um also stem cell activation especially over the 24-hour mark so i think for many people it, it really depends on how you feel i find when i'm genuinely don't feel well i don't want to eat i and i don't worry about it other than to make sure I'm really well hydrated with electrolytes and I'm resting as much as, as I need to. Unfortunately, I think this is also a time people will force themselves to eat and it actually makes them feel worse. You want to ensure that you, your body is fighting the pathogen or whatever it is that your body has been exposed to mounting an immune response. And you want to do everything you can to support it. So if you feel like having bone broth, if you want to have a little bit of protein, make sure it's something easily digestible. This is not the time to sit down with a big bowl of pasta and a bunch of cheese and just make it harder for your body to move through it. They always say, you know, start with bone broth. If, you like, if you're hungry, start with some bone broth, maybe have a small piece of fruit, just kind of lean into what feels right for your body. It took me about three days to start eating a normal amount of food again because I just had zero appetite. And that's a great time to upregulate autophagy, which is that waste and recycling process of uh, proteins that your body doesn't need. Yeah, that's great. Um, and also, Cynthia and I have no problem with being transparent with, with each other here on the show. Some of the things that we see our clients really benefiting from and also some of the things that work for us or maybe don't work for us. And if you're watching here on YouTube and Facebook, I just took a bunch of supplements. Uh, so I'm going to hold up to the screen some of the things that I take here. And again, these are, I can get these straight to you. Uh, just send me an email, info at rachelvarga.ca. Um, and then this guy, SPM Active, is for kind of like residual inflammation because we're seeing some people after they've had a medical treatment or they've been exposed to something, there's like this long-term inflammation that's happening, long haulers, all sorts of things. There's so much that we can do to support ourselves if we're not feeling great, but also for prevention. And that's one thing you mentioned that we're trained on tests and all sorts of things. I have to say, and I'll, I'm, I have no problem being open and transparent about this since I started this podcast and I've actually done 180 interviews and episodes here on the show. I have learned more about advanced testing and markers than I ever did in my eight years of post-secondary education, my nursing degree, gen chem, organic chem, biochem. There's so much to learn now, the opportunity to expand our knowledge and connect with those who we resonate with. It's just, it's actually a really amazing time. So before Cynthia and I hopped on the call, we're kind of like super discouraged about the world and stuff like that. But we really have to snap ourselves out of it and get in that vibration that when we are not maybe feeling our best or we're feeling a little sad or fearful or down and out, 
just know that there's a silver lining for everything. And when you just snap yourself out of it, snap yourself out of a funk, whether you're feeling sick mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, energetically, we have to make sure that we're taking the time to align ourselves to the vibration and getting back to that intention that we're setting, especially now for this year. It's really important. We're learning so much. So what are some of the, I'm just curious, Cynthia, this is a little off topic, but what are some of the intentions that you're setting for yourself right now to stay in that more positive, radiant vibration? Well, I'm really leaning into sleep. And so I'm creating this environment every night for the past month. I've really made an enormous effort to honor my body by getting restorative, high quality sleep. And so, you know, I wear an aura ring and it tells me when it wants, when it thinks I should ideally go to bed. And I would kind of laugh at that. I was like eight o'clock at night is like a little early, especially because I have teenagers and so my husband and I talked and I said, let's just do an experiment for you know the next two weeks as we're he- we were heading into Christmas. Let me try to honor what my aura ring is telling me. Look at my REM sleep, my deep sleep. What are the things I can do to support that? So I set an intention that I, I was going to honor my body by leaning into what my aura ring was telling me. Well, I'll be darned the past month. I mean, now my body doesn't want any less than eight hours a night of sleep. And so I really have leaned into that. So setting that intention that I'm going to have restorative, uh, you know, wonderful sleep. I'm not going to wake up in the middle of the night. I'm not going to have to roll. And let me be clear. Let me back this up. Most middle-aged women, north of 35, early 40s, our ovaries are producing less progesterone. And progesterone is this wonderful uh, restorative hormone in the body. But as your body's making less of it, women can show up with more anxiety and depression, heavier periods. Exactly. We can become relatively estrogen dominant. And this can also impact our sleep in really negative and profound ways. So I remind women that we want to do all the things we can to support progesterone production in the body. And, you know, even if we need to support progesterone, we want to make sure our blood sugar is well regulated. Rachel just showed berberine, which is one of my favorite blood sugar support supplements for a lot of different reasons. It's also tied into a lot of the anti-aging benefits that you get from fasting, but really honoring where we are in time and space. So my first one was really about sleep. Number two was, especially with the book launch, that I was not going to turn into a raving shrew, even though if I look at my schedule from day to day, there is so much on the calendar. So I built in, I made, I made sure that I built in part of my intention was every week I'm going to do something that's purely joyful And so one week it might be a massage. The next week it might be yoga. I've been doing a lot of um, fiction reading, which I don't normally do because I'm such a nerd. I generally have four or five books going at once that I'm reading because I just love to learn, but really reading for joy where I don't have, there's no ulterior motive. There's no, I have to learn something. I have to take notes. I have to prepare for something. So really kind of leaning into self-care. And then lastly, being uh, very, very deliberate about what free time I do have And so that has really, uh, I've really leaned into creating boundaries with people that maybe because they're family members, I need to be more mindful of my energy and their energy. And if someone doesn't feed my energy in a positive way, I don't make time for them and I don't apologize for it. I'm a reformed people pleaser. And so on many levels, one of the things I've had to do to prepare for the book, prepare for the book launch Um, manager and running a household with two teenage boys, 
and, you know, a, a very successful marriage. I've been with my husband for 19 years and we've been married for 19 years, been together for 20 years, married for 19 years this year is just to honor those relationships and everything else kind of, I just let go of, I don't apologize. I just only intuitively connect with people who have similar energies, who add to my experience as I go through life and don't detract from it. And I'm sure Rachel, this probably has happened to you that I find a lot of people creating boundaries triggers other people who don't have healthy boundaries. And so I'm just, I just let things be. I'm like, I don't, I don't explain myself. I don't apologize. I just say, this is what needs to happen. Um, and I do have a couple family members that are, are pretty toxic. And so for me, it, it's much better for my emotional well-being, for my psychological well-being to really make sure I set the intention of, I'm going to speak to this person by phone, but I'm not making plans to see them in person. And that's as much as I can do. I completely hear you. Um, being uh, an empath myself, which I'm sure you are a lot of healers or empaths or intuitive empaths. If you know what that word is, you're in great company. <laughs> Last two years have been um, really interesting. And if you are highly empathic and intuitive, you've kind of seen through all this. So yes, absolutely. Certain things we need to cut that ish out. And as a, as a reformed people pleaser and myself as well, that's definitely something I've worked on boundaries, uh, really protecting my energy as well. Um, what are the other thing when we're talking about like being intuitive and empathic with ourselves parasites, what you mentioned, when you travel to Africa, you picked up some parasites. These are things that can like feed off of you and are essentially feeding off of your life force. And there are some other esoteric types of of attachments that can occur as well. Dr. Terrence Palmer, he's one of the leading researchers in the science of bridging medicine and spirituality. Of course, he's coming out of the UK, but he actually did a study that those who are most susceptible to quote unquote attachments in the spiritual and energetic sense are actually for the most part in North America, Christian background, age 35 to 60. So one of the ways that I protect myself and set an intention with this is regular clearings, regular meditations, regular grounding, regular time in nature. And that really helps me and not exposing myself to other people's ish because everyone's going through something behind the scenes, no matter how pretty and polished they look on their social media. When we're talking about intentions, my hubby and I took some time to ourselves last month. I took about about half a month off just to recharge my batteries. I always hermit mode. If you feel the, the need to hermit mode, do it. Some of the wisest people in the world and in the past have been hermits at some point in their life. But we set intentions. We vision board together. It was really, really fun, actually. But we focused on business, financial, and health goals. Now I want to turn that board around and also do with him focusing on our joy, fun, and self-care. So then we're kind of like checking all those boxes. You could always frame, you could also frame it as body, mind, spirit, energy, uh, and focusing on those types of columns when you're intention setting. So do you ever do that with your hubby? I do. And I think largely because we're at a point where our oldest is a high school sophomore. My youngest is applying to magnet schools locally. And just the recognition that in three years, our oldest is going to go off to college. That's actually, we downsized. We sold a very large home in Washington, D.C. and relocated to 
a less populated part of our state. We're so much happier. We're closer to the water. Um, but we got rid of probably a third of what we own and we have continued to purge. So in many ways, we've been mentally preparing ourselves and also quite honestly, like looking ahead and saying, I want to retire in 15 years. So how do I make that happen? I mean, every single decision we're making right now, it's with the intention of how do I honor retiring at X age, even laughing about, I drive a very nice car, but saying, you know, maybe because my son associates it with a mom car, I was like, maybe what we do is we trade that car in and he can get something that is, you know, worth about what this car trade in value is. But it's like, I don't want to have, you know, these big expensive things anymore. I don't have to prove my worth. I, I just really becoming detached from a lot of the materialism that really is problematic in our westernized culture. And so much to your point, you know, we actually sat down the other day and my husband was like, you know, this is what it, because he, he actually does my books because um, he's a financial guy. He was going through my books and he said, you know, you, you had a really good year and, you know, you've got other exciting things that are coming up with this book. And, you know, where do we want to prioritize? Do we want to pay off? Like I still have a little bit of school debt. It's like pay off the school debt, pay off his car, um, just continuing to kind of make sure like, you know, accelerate paying off our mortgage, like all the things we're thinking about right now that we want to do so that we're putting ourselves in a position where we're going to be able to make uh, that desire to retire really happen and still honor. We like to spend money on trips, like experiences are really important to us. So how do we go about honoring all these things and just getting very granular? I, I think something that was really interesting to me, one of the women that I, I'm friends with who lived in the old city we moved from was doing a no by January because, you know, you get just, it's like an onslaught of emails every day from all these companies that want to entice you to buy more things. And it really sat well with me. And I was like, you know, you're right. I mean, I don't need to buy more Lululemon, although I love it. I don't need to buy more shoes. I don't need more stuff. And so let's get really intentional about everything that we bring into this house. It has to be something we love. It needs to be something we all, that we genuinely need to have. And beyond that, it's like, I just don't want to feel the degree of conspicuous consumption. So to answer your question, yes, we do. And, and my husband, because of who he is, I mean, he's an engineer, he's a finance guy, he's a numbers person. He's in our books. Like I know, honest to God, I know month to month what our net worth is and, you know, where our investments are and, you know, what our house is like, because my husband gets that granular. And I always say, I'm the big picture. You're the details person. So it's, you know, it's just kind of deciding for ourselves what we want to do. And, you know, obviously it's want to make sure our kids can both go to college and graduate with zero debt. That's very important to me, but also making sure that we can create the continued experiences that they've grown up with. We just got back from Costa Rica and just had the most magical eight days disconnecting. My kids were freaked out because we had not a lot of Wi-Fi in the uh, Pacific side of Costa Rica, but it was wonderful because what are you forced to do? You're forced to connect. And so it was a really amazing time. We took naps. We spent time in nature every day. I did all sorts of crazy things like waterfall repelling and whitewater rafting. And I'm the only female in my house. So let me assure you, everyone loved that. And it might've like pushed me away outside my comfort zone, but it brought them joy. So yes, I think part of being you know, financially, fiscally responsible is also tied in that spiritual side. Like you mentioned, you spent a lot of time in nature last month and that's really important to us. Like every day we start our day outside, no sunglasses with our dogs. It's been pretty cold here. It's been in the twenties in the morning and it's just vigorous. Cause I come home and I'm like, okay, I'm ready to start my day. 
Um, I, I feel like I'm reinvigorated. I've connected with the earth. I've experienced what it feels like to be outside and be cold. You know, I don't feel like I have to be so bundled up, you know, a little bit of hormetic stress, as I know uh, you also embrace. We love cryotherapy. We love infrared sauna, all these things that really make us feel like connected, more connected to ourselves as human beings. And also, you know, just being responsible, like res the word responsible can mean something different to everyone. But I think part of being a responsible human is just detaching from things that no longer serve us. And so whether or not it's because I had a big birthday this past year, but I kind of like, I never used to think as much about an end game as till as, as I do now. I just keep saying like everything I do this year is with the mindset that I want an end game. Like I want to eventually do something else. Um, and that could be retiring early. I'm not sure, but um, just really being intentional with where, where, where I go uh, from here for sure. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Some really fun things that came up while you were speaking was let's just uh, get this out there. I don't like cold therapy. I freaking do it for pain and nervous system regulation. Having been in two car accidents, I don't do it. Just do it for ish and giggles. Let me just put that out there. It's hard. It's a challenge. But the more you do something that is out of your comfort zone, like what you mentioned, is actually really good for for your brain. It's really good for uh, making new neural pathways. So definitely uh, always make sure we're doing things that make us a little bit uncomfortable. Uh, it is good for your body, mind, spirit, and energy to degree. We also need to make sure that we are responsible for our responses. So you were talking about responsibilities. Right now, I feel like we're very reactionary as a species because of what's being shown to us in the media is keeping us in this fear state. We have to be very aware of this. And it's really sad when we see people, when we're kind of the outside looking in at these people that are just like sucked into the spell and it will seriously impact their body, mind, spirit, energy, aging process. So you got to snap the F out of the spell that's going on right now. This mass formation business, this is like serious. This is like textbook. What is happening in the world right now from a psychological perspective I really want to also encourage um, when we're talking about consumption and fasting here, this is actually a really, really kind of cool segue because you all know that I love talking about skincare and rejuvenation, at-home peels, dermal rolling, but also the in-clinic laser rejuvenation and all that cool stuff, surgical, non-surgical interventions. And I just get asked all the time about, you know, this new beauty supplement that they've seen on social this, this product that they're being recommended, we have to be very careful with how we're consuming products. So when you talked about this last month, you really watched how you're consuming 100%. I am really minimalistic now, actually, and uh, more so than I ever have been. But I also am very cognizant the countries where I'm purchasing things from do not buy any any type of supplements, skincare, makeup, anything that's going in or on your body from these third-party auction websites. The this is actually the counterfeit beauty industry and supplement industry is actually more lucrative than the drug trafficking trade. I don't know about the human stuff. Well, that stuff's all coming out. But basically, we're look at we're looked at as pieces of meat that are consumers. So we want to flip the script. We want to make sure that we're living our best, most vibrant, radiant life. And when we're decluttering our life, when we are limiting our consumption, when we're eating in kind of like a fasting type of modality, this also goes along with that. 
I'd love for you to add some commentary with how fasting can also make us better and more smarter and more conscious consumers for our food, which will then have a trickle down effect into every other aspect of our lives. Well, I think, you know, high quality nutrient dense foods are always what we endeavor. And so I, I think when people are successful fasting, they, they naturally gravitate towards animal based protein, healthy fats, less processed foods, because they just feel so much better. And it makes things so much less complicated. You know, when I go grocery shopping, I have teenage boys, let me be really clear. I have teenage boys, they eat a lot of food, like our grocery bills are outrageous. But that's a place we put our money. That's where we put an intention. That's important. That's a priority. And so when I'm like sitting down and we're meal planning, and I know that's a super sexy thing to talk about, my husband actually does most of the meal prep. We've gotten to a point where we divide and conquer in our house and he actually enjoys it. Again, he's an engineer. He gets very granular. And so he will sit down and we'll create like a list together and go through that. But when we come to looking at fasting and how that, that impacts our food choices, when people really lean into what makes their bodies feel good, I, I oftentimes find when I ask women to go as an example, lower carb, less carbohydrates, less processed carbohydrates, it is a tough transition. And why is that? Because our culture embraces pasta, bread, cookies, crackers, instead of saying like, let's have some squash, let's have some sweet potato, let's have some non-starchy carbohydrates, let's have a low glycemic berry as opposed to mango and pineapple and bananas, which those tropical fruits, although better than eating a candy bar, there's a lot of fruit sugar in there. And for people that are not metabolically flexible, that can be problematic. So really encouraging people to kind of lean into listening to what their body is trying to share with them, what information they're being given about what allows your body to run on, on efficient, on efficient fuel. And for most women, they're not eating enough protein. They're not eating high enough quality protein. They're eating, if they go ketogenic, they eat too much fat or too much nuts or too much cheese, which I know is very easy to do. And most people are not eating what I call a phytonutrient dense diet. There's not a lot of color on their plate. There's a reason why certain vegetables have color. And it's because those phytonutrients, the colors themselves, the polyphenols have all these amazing properties. I'll give you an example, like green tea has a lot of polyphenols. That's why it's bitter. Bitter is not- I drink a ton of matcha. I actually don't drink coffee anymore. I've completely switched over to matcha. I feel more mentally clear. I don't get jittery. I find my mood is more stable. I'm not as potentially anxious. You know, when you're like super jazzed on coffee, you're like, let's go, let's get it done. It's like, you feel like you can run a marathon. I feel so much better with matcha. So I wonder, that's, that's really I great. Yeah. And I wonder if it's the mycotoxins that it's actually the, Probably. I'm sure Dave talks a lot about this as well, but yeah. foods like coffee and peanuts are very mold toxic. And so it may not even be the caffeine that was making you feel jittery and wired. It might very well have been your exposure to the mycotoxins. And so I hear from a lot of people when I tell them, okay, plain coffee, bitter tea, all of a sudden they switch over to tea and they're like, wow, I feel so much different. I'm not a big tea drinker, but every morning I make my, my husband's not a coffee drinker either. He gets green tea. I get green tea. And it's just part of that ritual. But certainly I love that you love matcha. There's so many um, phytonutrient chemicals that are in there that have a lot of benefits, not just for your skin, uh, but for so many other, we know that there are specific chemicals, polyphenols in both coffee and tea 
that can upregulate autophagy. So that waste recycling process in the body. I'm all about maximum efficacy or maximum. We have to make sure our tea and coffee is organic though. So really, really, really important. I actually know somebody who has a whole business on tea-based products Mm -hmm. and People don't know this, that when they pour the hot water on the tea, that's sometimes the first time that those leaves and beans are actually getting washed. So you're literally drinking pesticides. So always, always, always go organic. What are some of your meal tip preps for fasting though? Because I'm a huge fan of really limiting my exposure to histamines. I don't Mm -hmm. eat food that's been cooked over 24 hours. Women are particularly susceptible to histamine intolerance and impacting the body. So what are some of your meal prep tips and fasting? Well, I think, you know, people that are intolerant to histamines, there's, there's more to it than just the histamines themselves. So I think it's highly bio-individual. For me, it's all about protein prep. If I can prep, um, you know, hard-boiled eggs, if I can prep my meat or my fish ahead of time, that allows me to throw it on top of the salad. I don't make my meals complicated during the week. I break my fast. I always have a good sized portion of protein. Most women that are watching this are probably getting maybe 30 grams of protein per meal. That's not nearly enough. And if you're north of 35, you need to maintain and continue to build muscle because one thing that will happen, and this is important for me to tie this in, sarcopenia is a normal function of aging. That's this muscle loss with aging. So most women don't eat enough muscle and they don't lift enough weight to be able to maintain what they have. And you want to think about, muscle loss as muscle is the organ of longevity. If you can take nothing else away from what I'm saying today, you want to maintain and continue to build muscle, which means you have to prep those proteins because if you're in a rush to grab food, you're not going to, you're not going to sit there and make a steak. You're not going to sit there and boil eggs. So if you make those things ahead of time, it's very easy to throw things on top of a salad, steam some vegetables. That's kind of where I come from is that I want to have three to four things of protein batch, because in my house, protein goes pretty quickly within two to three days. So we batch prep proteins twice a week. Um, we do batch prep some, um, some chopped up salads. We'll put them in Mason jars because I do like salad, but I don't necessarily want to sit down and spend 15 minutes prepping a salad every day. So I will batch prep salad, but I think it's really like sitting down and making a list of what you like to eat and creating, you know, a, a, a menu, if you will, week to week. I can be very food monogamous, meaning I can eat hard boiled eggs, an egg roll in a bowl and steak. I could do some variation of those three things most days during the week, but I always, we always push ourselves. Like lately we've bought ostrich and elk and wild boar just to try new things. Sometimes they're winners like elk sausage was okay. Elk steak, a little too elky, but I encourage people to try different things. Go outside your comfort zone or there's no shame. If you buy canned salmon, like whole caught tuna. I mean, if you're really in a rush there are always protein options that are available. You know, I can make an amazing sardine pate like that freaks people out. They're like, sardines are ugly. Um, they freak me out. They're a little too salty. And I'm like, listen, it's one of the most omega three rich things you can eat. And most, if not all of us eat far too many omega six, which are these inflammatory, um, you know, fatty acids, as opposed to the anti-inflammatory omega three. So getting back to your original in, in question, Um, When people break their fast, they have to decide, like, for me, I'm ready for a meal. Some people might need to break their fast with something lighter. Maybe they have a protein shake. Maybe they have a salad. Maybe they have non-dairy yogurt, like a clean non-dairy yogurt or a piece of fruit with some nuts. 
I always encourage people to try to have some protein when they break their fast and not just sit there and eat a bowl of like pineapple. Um, I think it's really important to mitigate that, that blood sugar response and that insulin response. And the way that you do that is adding in some protein or adding in some healthy fats. Yeah, I wanted to mention something here that people on the go, they might be like, oh, you know, I want to get something quick, get some protein quick. Do not eat slaughterhouse meat. A lot of this mass produced slaughterhouse meat gets tested and there's a percentage of stuff in there that you don't want to know. You really, you don't want to know uh, from a DNA perspective. So cut that ish out. Uh, I personally love elk. Uh, I, I do actually have quite a bit of elk, bison, and um, boar in my diet. I can't have too much of it though. And I've done some biome testing on this. It's a little too much for me. So don't like overdo it on the protein. Cause I think I unfortunately was, I do my four by four days and then I'd, I'd find where I wanted to hang out in nature, three hours in the bush, no cell reception, make a fire, cook some meat over the fire. Delicious. But I'd have like a little bit of gut upset. So I have to be careful with that. But yes, if you can do like a locally hunted type of meat for protein, that's great. But not too much of it. Listen to your body. One of my favorite sausages is actually wild boar and like bratwurst. So it's like sometimes you can mix meat, but do not eat slaughterhouse meat. Do not eat fast food meat. You probably know what I'm alluding to here. If you're kind of on the same page, maybe you know this yet. Maybe you don't know this yet. Some of the truth that's coming out about what's actually being added into slaughterhouse meat. It just insanity what's going on in the world these days. But guess what? The truth always comes out, guys. It always comes out. So Cynthia, I would love to hear from you. What are some of your closing words in respects to fasting and how, how we can utilize it to optimize our body, mind, spirit, and energy? Great question. Well, I dive obviously into greater detail in my book, Intermittent Fasting Transformation, I have 45, but really honoring where you are in time and space. So acknowledging if you are in your peak fertility years that you need to fast a little bit differently than a woman that is in perimenopause five to 10 years preceding menopause or menopause. I do think it gets easier for women in menopause because they're not dealing with a menstrual cycle, this infradian rhythm. They're not, you know, follicular and luteal phase and ovulatory phases. And so I, I think really honoring where you are and also thinking about how metabolically flexible you are, the less metabolically flexible you are, the more you need to fast. And I have enough men and women clinicians that I speak to on a regular basis that feel the same way. They're passionate about helping people balance their hormones, getting into a position where they can actually, you know, tap into fat stores for energy, have sustained energy, improve cognition. So they feel like they can, you know, get through their days and be able to serve their communities, serve their families, serve their relationships. And I think on so many levels, the fear mongering that goes on about women and fasting is a source of endless frustration for me, generally by people who don't really understand the science and really don't understand the whole concept of feast famine and the fact that we wouldn't be here as a species if our bodies weren't able to adapt to periods of feasting and periods of not eating. And so that is probably how I'd want to leave things. Obviously, I 
I'm so very grateful for the opportunity to connect with your audience today and be able to share information that is science-based, but also reasonable and, and really embraces bioindividuality. It all comes down to that. Each one of us as individuals may need to fast a little bit differently, and that is totally okay. And at different times in our lives to know when we maybe need to mix it up and just like let your energy levels be the guide for this. So everybody learn more about Cynthia Thurlow at CynthiaThurlow.com and purchase a copy of her book, Fast Intermittent Fasting Transformation IF45. The details are in the show notes of this episode. And yeah, Cynthia is like literally one of the leading experts on intermittent fasting and someone who I absolutely go to as well. Also wanted to give a shout out. If any of you have any questions, please reach out to me over email you can connect with me directly info at rachelvarga.ca with your skin questions product reordering and next steps in your at-home and in-clinic rejuvenation journey oftentimes we need to kind of switch out the products we're using seasonally so let me know if you have questions if you haven't yet had a one-on-one session with me i highly encourage that one-on-one session where we can dive into your specific skin goals and i can provide customized guidance as well as take my skin camp programs that's where i do deep dives on all things biohacking hormone balancing all the stuff i do and all the stuff i can't talk about here publicly for various reasons. And that's also where I do my dermal rolling demos. I do not do those publicly here because they're considered like a treatment and it's for liability. So some of the things I mentioned in this episode, I do have a fantastic liver detox, hormone balancing protein powder, as well as a sarcopenia muscle wasting supporting protein powder and immune support. And I have a new protein bar. So one of the ways that I get into, and this is from a company that's been formulating for 30 years, independent third third party lab testing. It's really important. But I kind of like having these bars with me. I'm sending some samples out with um, most with my recent orders that are coming through for skincare and stuff like that. But it's great. Like I'll have like a little nibble in the morning, in the afternoon, maybe in the evening, so that I'm getting extra protein throughout the day without it being meat. And I seem to be doing really well. It's like one bar lasts me all day. I'll kind of separate it into thirds. So Cynthia, it was an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with our audience to promote with your upcoming book launch? No, thank you so much, Rachel. Always a pleasure to connect with your community. Um, Yes, starting today, we have some really cool um, bonuses related to the book launch. It's actually called Clean in 14. It's the first of four um, bonuses that people get with the pre-sale. And it's the prequel to the book. So if you want to maximize the impact of the IF45 program, you absolutely positively want to have access to Clean in 14. That is part of the book bonus now. You can go to my website, you can upload your receipt, and you will then get automatic access to my Thinkific where we have uh, Clean in 14. And we're already getting amazing feedback. It's just today my team is thrilled, as am I. So Um, There are more bonuses coming, but that is the very first one. And we're super excited to be able to offer that not only to your community, but to others as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you everyone for joining us here today. Be sure to subscribe here on the podcast and on YouTube. Give this video an episode a like, a thumbs up, share it, hit the bell. 
so that you know when new episodes are dropped. And if you want to know when my upcoming live streams are happening, I am now sending those out through my email newsletter. So be sure to sign up for my newsletter at rachelvarga.ca. And as a thank you for doing so, I'm going to send you my free five steps to sophisticated skin cheat sheet. You're going to love it. So you can start to optimize what you're doing at home already from the comfort of your own home. And we can get you started on the straight and narrow, the right track. Let's help you age well. Everybody give Cynthia Thurlow some love. Check her out. Check out her TED Talk as well. That's an awesome one. You can just look up Cynthia Thurlow on TEDx and it's it's just this it's, it's a super super talk. So anyways, have a great day everybody. Great to see you again Cynthia Thurlow and have a fabulous day.